going through the book of Philippians. Usually I'll cover uh, half a dozen to a dozen verses. Tonight we're just going to look at two, primarily because the topic changed on both sides of them, and this is a one that'll take a little bit of time to do it. So I'll just read the two verses, Philippians 3, 17 through 18. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So it's uh, uh, November and you're all serious, committed, fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so as such, one of the tools that you, uh, I'm sure, will use are your personal goals that you set each year and read and uh, read every day and pursue whatever those might be. And so I have mine done because I start mine uh, reading them on my birthday, October 27th. So I have 72 goals, 73 goals, read them every day, pursue them f- through the year. And uh, you uh, probably won't have that many. But goals are really, really uh, amazing in their power to, for us to be able to control and direct our own life. Most people don't set goals because most people are sort of uh, just kind of live life as it comes, not on purpose. It's sort of like going down a river without oars and, and your boat and you just go wherever. And that's really not a great way to live if you want to grow and change. So in your notes, number one, one of our goals in living life is to grow to be like Jesus Christ in character. Now, if you've listened to me talk about goals, you recognize that's not really a goal by the strictest definition. Goals are very measurable. This is a purpose. I have a purpose in life, and that is to become like Jesus. And so then I have goals that follow under that purpose uh, to be able to do that. And uh, he's giving us one of those tonight. Philippians chapter 3 Verse 12 through 14. Did I, I gave you point one, didn't I? In your notes? Yeah, okay. I don't see it on the screen, so I got confused. Okay, three, they jumped me. Uh, three, 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. Perfect is becoming like Christ in character, not sinless. Uh, that is moving towards Christ-like character. Paul says, I haven't got there yet. I'm on my way, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I could say the same thing. And uh, we could uh, compare notes and say, how far are you from being like Jesus? And how far are you? And all of us would probably agree, got a ways to go yet. And so Paul says, I'm not there, but, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, he saved us so that we could live with him, fellowship with, with him, be with him for eternity. He wants us to be like him. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so the question is, how do you press on to become like Jesus? I'm uh, thinking seriously about growing some blueberry bushes. And my wife has some, and and they're not doing very well, so we're going to start over. And so my... uh, niece and nephew-in-law, they grow blueberries. 
and they do really good. And I've been talking to them about it. I've been going online and reading information and looking at YouTube. And, and I've got a book I'm going to order on detailed instructions on how to wor uh, raise the world's best blueberries in the state of Oregon. And so the question is, how do you grow blueberry bushes? And so I looked around and found the answer, at least I think, and so I'm going to follow the instructions. So the, the question is, how do you grow yourself to be like Jesus? What's your plan? What's your strategy? What are your goals? So Paul tells us one of those tonight in this passage. Number two, there are many tools that, and resources that God has made available. Many tools and resources God has given us. He's given us something to do, and He's given us everything we need to do it and do it well to facilitate rapid growth in this life so that we will be as much like Jesus as possible. And so He is our Father. He wants to raise us to be uh, like Himself, and He will orchestrate the events of our life to move us towards Christ's likeness, but we need to cooperate and use the tools that He has given us. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word, pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So we could ask the question, what's one of the tools that God has given us? And one, the answer would be the Word, the Bible. Uh, and as we would read it faithfully every day, every day, every day, we would grow to become like Christ with that, that tool. So a goal would be, I'm going to read the Bible every day, according to the uh, JVC Bible reading plan or whatever plan you would have. That goal would be in line with your purpose of becoming as much like Jesus Christ as possible. Number three, one of the most powerful tools, the one he gives us tonight, available to us is other believers who are ahead of us in character. Other believers who are, have grown closer to Jesus than we have, and we can, f we can follow them. Did, did you know that I learn quicker by seeing it than I do by reading it. I don't know how you are. That's just the way I am. So if I'm going to learn how to raise blueberry bushes, one of the things that I do is I find YouTube instructions on how to do it and watch the YouTube thing, and they have a bush, and they dig a hole, and they put some peat moss in it, and they put the bush in it, and they mix the, the dirt they dug out with some sawdust, and they put in it, and, they, and I watch them. And so when it's all over, I've got it because I watched it. Now, I can read the same thing. I don't know what it is about my brain. It takes about three times reading it to get the same thing I get from watching it just once. And many of us are like that. We can see it and get it. But when we read it or somebody speaks, tells us verbally, it doesn't quite register, and we have to ask a question and hear it again and again and again. And so what Paul says in this passage is living the Christian life it's not an easy thing to do. Look around and see some people who are ahead of you. Um, so, yeah, in this room, as I look out there, I can see a number of people that are ahead of me. And so, it isn't that you're going to do exactly what they do, but they become an example and a model. We were designed by God to do well with models. I'm in the process of restoring a 1969 Mustang with my grandson, Isaac, and uh, the motor, you know, 69 Mustang, that's uh, not quite as old as I am, but it's getting up there for a car. And the motor we took out of it, we got it really cheap. The reason we got it really cheap is because it's really rusty. 
And it's a pile of junk, but we're going to restore it. That's what you do when you restore a car. Well, I took the motor out. We took the motor out of and the thing is just a pile of grease and rust and crud and corruption. I mean, it looks like some people I know. But uh, uh, I, I checked to see what it would cost us to have it hot dipped and stuff. And it was like 300 It was pretty expensive. So I went online and I Googled uh, and I found out that I could put my motor in a... I have a plastic tank that I had for raising fish in 300 gallons. I fill it up, put it in a five-gallon bucket of baking soda and stir it all up, uh, take the motor, put it in there, and take a, a battery charger, the negative on the motor, the positive on these rods that I stick in all the way around the outside, and it does this thing called electrolysis, and I did it, and everything came off the motor. Every drop of rust, the paint, the oil, the grease, it is like a dime. It is amazingly beautiful. And so, I did that. Wow. How? I watched it on YouTube. Yeah. You can build a rocket ship. If you watch it on YouTube, I think. I don't know. I haven't tried that one. Uh, I put a new fuel pump in my outboard motor. I didn't know how to do it, so I Googled it and found it on YouTube, and I watched it. Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example. Join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Observe those who live the Christian life successfully. And you know the difference between someone that's halfway there and doing pretty good and just look and see what they do. Many walk of whom I have told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Number four, even though having examples and models to follow is a very powerful tool, most Christians rarely rarely take advantage of it because of pride. Now, there were, oh, half a dozen things that you absolutely never said to my dad. Not real bad things, just weren't things that he liked, and so you didn't say them more than once. One of them was to say, I know, when he was telling you how to do something. And so if you did that, if you said, I know, while he was giving you instructions on how to do anything, the consequence was cleaning out all the calf pens until Jesus came, or something equally bad. It wasn't anything that you wanted to be able to do. It was just not a good thing to do. And so I carried that over with our kids. Uh, our kids only said it once, maybe twice at most, and then they got the message. Don't say, I know, when I'm telling you how to do something. And Seth was coaching basketball, and he came home, and he says, Dad, it's just so disgusting. You try to teach a kid something, and the first words out of their mouth is, I know. I said, I know. <laughs> Why? Why do we do that? Because we have this pride in us. We don't want to do what other people do. We don't want other people. You know the cool thing about YouTube is nobody knows. I can do something after watching it on YouTube, and you think, I thought it up all on my own. And so I appear to be cool. Uh, I can get advice from another person, and I do it, uh, you know, in such a way that it's not a pride problem. But if I were to try to get it from you, on, on the other hand, I might think, ah, I don't want them to think that I don't know what I'm doing. And so all of us are reluctant to, uh, to follow other people, to use other people's as models or examples because of the fact that we have this pride problem. Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, 
and that's God doing the humbling. Whoever exalts himself, that is, I know, I've got my life together, I've got it all figured out, I don't need your help, will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now that little phrase is repeated over a dozen times in the Bible in various ways and forms. And it gives you the, the, the point that God doesn't appreciate pride. And when we are prideful, he will make sure that we're humbled. And when we're humble, he will exalt us. Number five, observing strong and mature believers is a very good thing to do. But an even more effective thing to do is ask for advice. Ask for advice. I was fishing up in Alaska and the thing we fish on is a metal, uh, like a sidewalk, but it's out over the river. And the city of Soldatna has built about a mile of it there on the Kenai River for tourists who come and fish. And it's, it's a really nice place to fish. You just stand on the edge of the thing, and the water's down there about three feet. And it's convenient. It's flat. It's easy to stand on. And, and if you want, you can put a bucket down to sit on and put your coffee thermos jug over in the back to get it to get a drink and, and fish. And there's people lined up and everybody's fishing and catching fish and it's really cool. So because it's made for tourists, the regular people don't fish on it. They like to fish in the river, but it's convenient. And so you have people that come to Soldatna from Oklahoma, from Michigan, from Florida, from California, from China, from Japan, from Germany, all over the world they come to fish the Kenai River. It's world famous. Well, people in the U.S. that are going to drive, they're going to drive there and they're going to fish on this walkway. And so I was fishing and I was catching fish pretty regularly and there was this oh, 22, 23-year-old young man standing next to me about, oh, about 10 feet away and after about the third fish, he says, could you teach me how to do that? I said, what's that? Catch fish. He said, I've been here for three days. I haven't caught a single fish. You've been here for 10 minutes and you've caught three. I said, yeah, I would be happy to teach you how to catch fish. And I said, where are you from? I can tell by his accent that it was in the south somewhere. He said, from Oklahoma. I'm in, I'm in uh, the Air Force. I'm stationed in, in uh, Anchorage and drove down here to catch fish. I said, what kind of fishing have you done in Oklahoma? He said, bass and crappie. I said, yeah, it looks like you're trying to catch a bass. <laughs> yeah, I kind of laughed. And so I said, okay, I can rig you up. His rod wasn't really set up for it, but I, I helped him and, and uh, rigged him up. And then I told him, okay, this is how you fish. Now, the fish are of four inches, their belly is four inches off the bottom. That means your hook has to be six inches off the bottom because they're not going to move up or down. They're going up the river to spawn. So you're, the way you're fishing, your hook is either two feet off the bottom or laying in the bottom. Neither one will ever catch a fish. So uh, you want it, and so this is how you do it. And I explained everything to him, and he, he fished for about, oh, 30 minutes, and he hooked a fish. And he was, I just really enjoyed talking to him because he called me sir. I guess what they do that in the South. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Okay, sir. Okay, you got it, sir. I, you know, I felt like saluting. But uh, I, was so, I, I was so impressed with him because he was, uh, he said, could you teach me how to do that? And then he asked good questions, and he was humble. He asked me how to tie a hook on. He asked me how to do this. And when he asked where he could get that, I gave him a handful of corkies, and I gave him a handful of hooks, and I gave him a thing full of line and a little bundle full of yarn, 
And then, I don't know what that all would have cost me, but I was so impressed with him, I just g- gave it to him. I thought, it's rare to see a 22-year-old who will say to a 70-year-old man, could you teach me how to fish? And God honors that. Uh, he honors that. Proverbs 1, five. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire, ask for, uh, wise counsel. Proverbs 12.15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13.10, Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Somebody said, uh, I hear you have an interesting testimony on how you ended up in the ministry. I said, well, I have a testimony. I don't know how interesting it is. He says, I heard you were a dairy farmer. I said, yeah, I was. He said, what moved you from the dairy farm to the ministry? I said, well, a number of things, but primarily it was I asked my dad for some counsel. And he said, go try it for one year and see what happens. Sometimes you don't know until you try something. And so that's what I did. And he said, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody ask their dad for counsel on what job they should do. I said, worked for me. And I really think that's what God honors is when we ask people for advice and for counsel on how to do things, especially important things. First <clears throat> Peter 5, 5. Did I give you a, a, a number six? No? Okay, number six. Very few followers of Jesus ask others for counsel because of pride. Because of that pride, we miss out on a huge blessing from God. Huge blessing. What's the blessing? The blessing for humility is that God grants grace. God's grace is His provision, His strength. It's like everything you need. And so if you want to live the Christian life, God gives grace to do that, but He gives it always through people. And He always gives it to those who are humble. So the blessing, God gives the strength, he, he gives the wisdom, He gives the motivation, He gives everything that we need to be successful if we seek the advice and counsel from other people on how to do it. First Peter 5, 5, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Now, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. God is opposed to the proud. That means He fights against the proud, but He gives grace. Gives grace. That's his provision, his power, his guidance, his wisdom, everything that we need to be successful in life. God gives, but he gives it to the humble. Number seven, we also need to work hard to be examples and models for others to follow. So I want to seek it from others, and I also want to be able to give it to others. If someone says, could you teach me how to fish? And then I can teach them how to fish. If somebody asks me, Uh, Could you teach me how to have a good marriage? And then hopefully I can teach them how to have a good marriage. If someone says, can you teach me how to raise my kids? Hopefully I can teach them how to do that. And so we're always in the process of receiving and giving. 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. 
So we ought to be able to say that to those around us, at least some of, of the people around us. Do what I do. Act the way I act. Parent the way I parent. Treat your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents the way I do. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. 1 Peter 5, 2. This is an admonition to pastors. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Not as lording it over those, that is, not being better than, arrogant, but proving to be examples to the flock. So someone said the other day, I hear you say periodically that one of your goals as a parent was to teach your kids to work and to enjoy working. What, what was the secret to that? I said, the secret was I never let them work by themselves. They always worked with me. And when they worked with me, I always sang. And I acted happy. And I enjoyed what I was doing. And I always worked as hard and as fast as I could. And when they would do what I did, I would compliment them and praise them. So they catch it. It's contagious. And so if you send them out to do something on their own, they're not going to learn. If you send them out to do it with peers, they're not going to learn. But if you model it, then they'll learn. Philippians 4, 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. That's God's blessing. Observe others. Paul said, look what I do, what I've done. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Number eight, one of the strongest motivations in life is to pursue character diligently. Uh, one of the strongest motivations to, to do that, to pursue character diligently, is the fact that others are influenced by our example. Others are influenced by our example. I'm saved by grace and not by works. I don't have to do anything to get to heaven. I don't have to be good. I don't have to talk a certain way. I don't have to give anything. I don't have to teach anything. Heaven is a free gift, neither earned nor deserved. So why in the world should I be good? But I don't have to. Well, one of the strongest motivations is so that I can influence others, so that I can model for others the way Christ wants us to live, so I can encourage others. And that does motivate me in my living. It, it was a strong motivation with my kids, and now it's a strong motivation as a pastor. But all of us are around people. Number nine, living our lives with discipline for the sake of others around us is called being responsible. So if you ask me about how to manage money well, I'd say... I recommend that you talk to so-and-so. They've got this thing down. If you talk to, ask me a question about uh, running a business, I'll say, ha, I've got the perfect person for you to talk to. They've got it down cold. Uh, and I know from past experience that when that individual contacts them, they'll get good advice. And they'll not only get good advice, but they'll be motivated in the process. And so I love having uh, resources like that, people that I can uh, 
give uh, other names to that they will faithfully teach them uh, how to live life well. Number 10, we also need to be ready, uh, ready given any opportunity to encourage, instruct, and teach others what we have learned. So one of the principles of life is that if you never teach anybody anything, you'll never learn anything. Uh, if it doesn't go out, it doesn't come in. The example you've heard me give dozens of times, but it's still the best one I know, is the Sea of Galilee in the nation of Israel. Uh, the Jordan River runs into it. And if you go there and take a tour of the place, I did that several times. Uh, they raise fish uh, in that, they call it the Sea of Galilee. It's just a big lake. It's a large lake, but it is one of the most productive bodies of water in the world in the sense of the number of pounds of fish that are raised per uh, the volume of water that's in it. It's incredibly productive. Jordan River runs into the Sea of Galilee, produces tons and tons of fish. Sea, uh, the, the Jordan River runs out of the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea doesn't even support bacteria. It's dead. Uh, one of the fun things to do if you visit is to swim in the Dead Sea. Sort of swim. You walk out there to about your thighs and you pop off the bottom. And uh, the reason it's dead is because there's no outlet. The water evaporates, uh, but everything that comes in, there's nothing that goes out, and so it's the Dead Sea. Same water runs into the Sea of Galilee that runs into the Dead Sea. One is the most productive body of water in the world. The other is the deadest body of water in the world. And the only difference is one, uh, the same water that comes in goes out. The other one, it all stays in. So if you don't teach, pretty soon you stop learning. Uh, just a basic law of God. It's true of lakes and it's true of people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another. Build up one another, just as you also are doing. The one another commands in the Bible, there's 21 of them for the church, are the most important ones there are, and they're one another. That's how they work. Hebrews 3.13, Encourage one another. Day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Number 11, our preparedness to encourage dictates how many opportunities God will provide for us to be used by Him in the lives of others. So preparedness doesn't mean you have a degree but it does mean that you've thought through some things that you have got some competence in, uh, whether it's parenting, and even if you haven't got the world's best marriage, you're somewhere, you've figured something out, you've got some lessons learned, whether it's positively or negatively, you've learned things by doing the wrong thing, and uh, you've learned things by doing the right thing, and you think through what you could share with others given the opportunity. The same thing's true with managing your money, uh, uh, raising your kids in any and every area of life. There's things that you're decent at that you could teach others to do. Uh, you could teach them how to grow closer to Jesus. If you were ready, God is, is always looking for people that will say something, given the opportunity. 
And if you're ready to say something, given the opportunity, he'll give you the opportunity to influence other people uh, with the life that you live. Number 12, God created the church to be full of interdependent people so that each person in the church will go rapidly and the church will go rapidly. So that is a super, super important statement. The church, the body of Christ, was designed by God for me to give and to receive, for you to give and to receive. And as each of us gives and receives from each other, we all grow closer and closer to Jesus. We all grow in grace and strength and power. And the thing that short-circuits this thing all to pieces is our pride, our unwillingness to learn. Ephesians 4, 16, from whom the whole body, that's the church, our church, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, every person supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Romans 12, 3, some great advice here. He said, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. So we're all different. We're all in different places of growth. We have different experiences, different areas of expertise, and we can learn and be motivated and encouraged by each other. Thirteen, a basic body life law of God is if we are humble enough to receive encouragement and counsel from others, God will give us opportunities to give encouragement and counsel to others. So one of the reasons many never given an opportunity to influence another person is because they've never been humble enough to, to receive it from another person, to ask for it from another person, to look to other people for their examples and their models. And so as we receive grace from others, as we receive counsel from others, as we're motivated by others, then God will use us to do the same in the lives of those around us. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this is what he'll reap. 14, a healthy church is continually in a mode of giving and receiving from each other. Giving and receiving, giving and receiving. It's the heartbeat of a beautiful bride of Christ. I give, you receive, you give, I receive. We are encouragement to each other, models to each other. And when it works that way, it works well and God blesses. Just a little extra that's not in your notes. One of the things that uh, is a problem for believers is that they are often lukewarm, apathetic, not motivated to live the Christian life. And uh, the other night we had all the grandkids over and we built a big fire in the backyard. We have a fire pit. And they roasted uh, weenies and had a good time. And then everybody left and I still had a big fire in the backyard and I didn't particularly want to go in the house with it going. And so I took one of the metal weenie sticks and I reached down there and I separated the logs, pushed them all apart, and went in the house and I came out and it was out. So if you keep us close, 
we heat each other up. We motivate one another. Uh, but if we're independent, self-sufficient, I can do it by myself. Thank you. I don't need you. I'm as good as you are. Then we are going to struggle big time. We may have some knowledge, but we won't have the motivation because God gives grace. Grace is motivation. Grace is power. Grace is strength. Grace is passion. And he gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to the proud. And a humble person says, I need you. I need just to hang out with you. I need just to eat breakfast with you. I need to uh, talk to you in the foyer just to be encouraged and motivated to get uh, heated up. Number 15, the killer of this life, vitality and growth, is pride. Pride is not thinking I'm cool. Pride is thinking I can do it without you by myself. 16, pride not only blocks our own personal growth, it turns us into a stumbling block to others. One of the things with our kids we would tell them repeatedly is that you are who you hang around with. 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad company corrupts good morals. And so you want to influence those who aren't where they ought to be, but you want to be careful that they don't uh, become a stumbling block to you. And you really want to be careful that you don't become a stumbling block to others. Luke 17, Jesus says this to his disciples, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than then he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Romans 14, 13, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. And so, <clears throat> if you're a prideful individual, I mean, it's not like you're just obnoxiously so, but just independent, self-sufficient, I don't need you, I can do it by myself, you will become a stumbling block to other people. And so you don't want to do that. You can see what Jesus thinks of stumbling blocks. And so it's humility that's the key. You're always looking for people that are ahead of you, modeling your life after them, asking people for advice and counsel on how to live the Christian life, being prepared personally to give advice and counsel to be an example to others because no matter how far you've got to go, you're ahead of some. And if you're an encouragement, not judgmental or critical or haughty, then God uses you uh, to motivate other people and to set them on fire. And that's what he wants. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I do pray that each one of us would be serious about our own growth to become like you in character, and we would understand that you've given us tools, ways for that to happen. And a, and a very, very important one is the example that we are to each other, the modeling that we do, the counsel that we give. And you give grace to us when we humbly ask others uh, advice on how to live the Christian life in some way or another, that we would keep our eyes open for both those that can help us and those that we can help. And as we do that, Lord, with humility, you will use us and you will bless our church and we will grow. And that's what we want. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.